0: I'd like you to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 as where we'll spend the majority of our time together this morning. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4. I want to thank Chad for doing such a wonderful job preaching God's Word last Sunday. Yes, I know that you were blessed by God through Chad as he shared God's truth last week. I'm excited about what God is going to share with us and what He's going to teach us this morning as we study and unpack his truth for our lives together. In our series, What Did Jesus Say? We are studying some of the teachings of Jesus found in the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because as Christ followers, we are called to walk as Jesus walked. We know God uses the truth of his word to transform our lives into the likeness, of His Son, our Savior Jesus, as we apply His Word in our lives. As James said, we're to be doers of the Word and not just hearers only. The good news is we are all blessed as we obey God's word. Matthew chapter 4 is where we'll begin our time together. Spend most of our time here in this passage, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Matthew wrote these words in beginning in verse 1, chapter 4, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, "If you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. But he answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, it is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and immediately angels came and began to serve him. Father God, we ask now that uh, you would take these next moments, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, would you teach us this word that you have for us this morning? God, you prepared it because we need it, and so, Father, we ask that uh, you would just speak now by your Holy Spirit to us. God, would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you convict us? God, would you change us? to be more like your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, through this time together. Father, give us the willingness and the courage to obey you and our response to you uh, as we make our way through this passage uh, this morning and then as we make our way through this day and this week. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We see here that uh, Matthew began, verse 1, with a simple word, then. He started verse 1 with then, and that means he was pointing us back to what uh, he had written just before chapter 4 verse 1 In chapter 3. Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River uh, fulfilled God's plan for Jesus. It linked Jesus to the ministry of John the Baptist which was prophesied about in the Old Testament. It was the first public act by Jesus uh, in his earthly ministry by which he, identified Identified with the sinners he came to save, it gave a picture of Jesus' life, his substitutionary death, and his resurrection. And the baptism of Jesus also pointed to the significance and the importance of baptism for all followers of Jesus. After his baptism, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. After he fasted, he was tempted by Satan on three different occasions. God used the attempts of Satan to tempt Jesus to sin, to strengthen Jesus in his role in ministry as the Savior of the world. Once again, showing us, as is the case all throughout God's word, that our God is a sovereign God. He is in control. His plans and purposes will prevail both now and forever. And so we come and we see this part here. We get to this passage and we see that Jesus is tempted three times by Satan. And each time he responded to Satan's temptation by saying, It is written. Say that with me. It is written. Jesus did not say it is written by chance or by coincidence. Jesus said it is written on purpose to help us understand. He wanted us to understand the significance of these three simple words It is written so I want us to look at four different points about Jesus' words, it is written together this morning. The first point we see is it is written helps us understand the importance of God's Word. Helps us understand the importance of God's Word. When Jesus said it is written, he was referring to the Old Testament Scriptures. The Old Testament and the New Testament is the Word of God. Understand This is a foundational point for our time together. It is written points us to God's Word. When we read those words, it is written, they point us to God's Word because the Word of God is vitally important to us as children of God. The Word of God is vitally important to us as children of God. Jesus says it is written, so we will look at what he's talking about and where it is written, which is in the Word of God. Paul told Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16 and 17, when Paul told Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so we know and understand every word in God's word is God's word to you and me. Every word in God's word is God's word to you and me. The truth of God's word strengthens us in our faith. The truth of God's word equips us to do all that God's called us to do. The truth of God's word helps us to live God's way. God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. God's word never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose and the plans that God has set for it for us and for those around us. So we understand here at the beginning, Jesus said, it is written to point us to the word. Now, I want to just take a moment. I want you to notice one quick point we cannot And we'll not stay on this point long, but I think it's enough to to just mention it here in the passage. In verse 6, notice that Satan also said, it is written. However, he misused and misinterpreted the scripture he was referring to from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. The passage in the book of Psalms, encouraged us to trust God, not to test God. And so we see this is an example here in the temptations of Jesus that we see as evidence of Satan's work in other areas where he constantly misuses, misinterprets, and attempts to mislead us with his misinterpretation and misuse of Scripture. Reminds us of what he did back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when he tempted them to sin against God. You remember that passage? God put Adam in the garden. He told Adam, hey, Adam, you can eat from any tree in this garden except one. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam, because if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam, you will certainly die. So Satan came along and found Eve on that uh, day. And notice that Eve was... uh, There, So he came up to Eve and he said, hey, Eve, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Complete misrepresentation of what God had said. And Eve said, no. God said we can eat from any tree in the garden. We just can't eat from the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if we eat from that tree, we'll certainly die. And Satan said, oh, Eve. No, you won't. God's holding that on you. You won't die if you eat from that tree. And it looks good too, doesn't it? Just take a look. He said, what will actually happen is you'll be just like God. You'll have knowledge of good and evil if you eat of that tree. And we know the end of the story. Satan's temptation worked with Adam and Eve. It did not work with Jesus here in the wilderness. Notice that when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he did not start a debate with Satan. He did not sit down to open up a dialogue with Satan. He simply spoke God's word directly to Satan. And so we see a pattern for our lives. Jesus said it is written to help us understand the importance of the word of god for our lives the importance of the word of god in our lives day by day step by step so we see it is written helps us understand the importance of god's word second point it is written helps us understand our identity in christ jesus It is written, helps us understand our identity in Christ Jesus. It is written, points us to God's Word. God's Word teaches us that we were once dead in our sins. We were physically alive, but we were spiritually dead. We were separated from God because of our sin against God, and there was nothing we could do to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. There's only one requirement anyone has to meet in order to have a relationship with God, and it's a real simple requirement, be perfect, because God is a perfect God. We obviously know we fail to meet that requirement because of our sin against God, and so Scripture helps us understand we are in a difficult spot. We're in great need. We need a Savior, We need someone who can meet God's requirement for a perfect sacrifice to be made so that we might be able to receive forgiveness of sins, so that we might be able to enter into a relationship with God, not based upon who we are or what we can do, but based on the perfect sacrifice of the one who was able to complete that sacrifice for us. And the good news of the gospel tells us Jesus is our Savior. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, as we see here, yet he never sinned. He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary, and he was buried in the tomb, and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. We are able to be made right with God. We are able to be forgiven by God as we believe in and receive Jesus. The scriptures teach us, for by grace are you saved through faith. We know that we are saved by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. As we come to that point in understanding that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that Jesus is our Savior, and we repent of our sins. We turn from living our way, and we turn to Jesus, and we confess our sins to God, and we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We receive God's gift of salvation by placing our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. Why? Because there is no other way to enter into a relationship with God than through faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. There's no other way into a relationship with God than through faith in Jesus. And the scriptures teach us that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old life of sin is gone, and the new life in the Savior has come. So this tells us When Jesus says it is written, points us to God's word. God's word, it is written, helps us understand our identity is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we know our identity is not in who we are. It is not in what we have. Our identity is not in what we look like. Our identity is not in what we wear. Our identity is in Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. That is who our identity is in. Jesus gave himself for us so that we might be able to give ourselves to him, live our life for him, and one day spend eternally with him in glory. And there is no greater significance to have than the significance that we have in Christ Jesus. Because the last time I checked, no one else has ever lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and then defeated sin and death and risen again from the grave to offer us life eternal with Jesus Christ. jesus christ i tell you what we have the greatest significance that there is to have today in christ jesus now the world will say different the world will say different which is why years and years ago jesus said it is written he's telling us get in the word he's telling us that word my word is important for your lives. My word will help you stay grounded and understand that your significance is in me. Our significance is in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me just give you four quick points. You can jot these down if you're taking notes. Four quick points. You know these truths. Hopefully, they'll just remind you and encourage you as we, we go through them. Real quick. Number one, it means we're disciples of Jesus. We are learners. We are students of Jesus. We learn from Jesus through the truth of God's word. We're disciples of Jesus. Secondly, we're followers of Jesus. We are called to live as Jesus lived, love as Jesus loved, walk as Jesus walked. And the more we learn as disciples from Jesus, the more we're able to be followers of Jesus. We live our lives for him, not for ourselves. Three, we are witnesses for Jesus. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of jesus christ we are called to sing we're called to share we are called to shine we are called to show jesus to all those who are around us and we also know we're victors in jesus just as satan tried to keep jesus from fulfilling god's plan for his life satan will try to keep us from fulfilling god's plan for our lives Thankfully, we know, based upon the truth of God's word, it is written, we are victors in Christ Jesus. We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers in Christ Jesus. Since Jesus overcame, we can overcome. So we know and understand. Our identity is in Christ Jesus, and that means a lot. And that could be a series in and of itself, but we'll just end that point here, understanding and realizing that each of us have great significance And that significance comes through the faith and trust that Jesus Christ has allowed us to receive, to grab a hold of, to embrace, to enjoy on a day-by-day basis. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. It is written also helps us understand the reality of spiritual warfare. Hey, listen, when we see it is written, it points us to God's Word, and we see immediately here in this passage at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry that the temptations of Jesus alert us to the reality of spiritual warfare. When you think about it, we see and understand that Jesus engaged in spiritual warfare in his earthly ministry from the very beginning, at his birth in Bethlehem, and Herod's decree that went out. That all male children, two years of age and younger, who lived in and around Bethlehem, because that's where they heard Jesus had been born, were to be put to death. Because he was trying to make sure that this one-born king of the Jews was executed. And this spiritual warfare continued all the way to the cross, where Jesus was crucified on the cross, and Satan thought he had defeated Jesus, finally. Finally as Jesus died on the cross, only to find out that his supposed victory on Friday turned out to be defeat on Sunday as Jesus walked out of the tomb alive. You see, Jesus lived and it is written life. That's why he said it. He lived and it is written life, and we are called to live it is written lives as followers of Jesus Christ. We're called to walk in obedience to God's word just like Jesus. It is written points us to the word the word opens our understanding to the reality of spiritual warfare as christ followers we know that we are in this world but we're not of this world john told us that the world is under the sway under the influence of the evil one satan paul told us that satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they not can they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of christ jesus We know that this world is living in rebellion against God in opposition to God and God's people, which is us. As one pastor said, if you live for God, you can expect trouble from this world. And there's great truth in that statement. Jesus told us if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they hated me, the world's going to hate you. Peter understood this. Peter later on wrote, be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Paul understood this. Paul wrote, put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the tactics, against the schemes, the temptations of the enemy. So we see and we understand spiritual warfare is a reality for us as followers of Jesus Christ. It's a reality. For us, it is written, tells us this over and over and over again. Listen, Satan is a liar, the father of lies. Satan is a tempter. Satan is an accuser. The battlefield where spiritual warfare is fought is in our minds. Satan bombards our minds with his lies, accusations, doubts, and temptations designed to pull us away from God and God's people, God's word, and God's praise. God is at work in us. Satan is at work on us trying to undo all that God's doing in us. God wants unity, Satan wants disunity. God wants intimacy, Satan wants isolation. God wants to bless us, Satan wants to burden us. God wants to develop us, Satan wants to destroy us. God tests us to grow us in our faith. Satan tempts us to slow us in our faith. The battle of spiritual warfare is real, and whether you understand it or like it or believe it, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in it. You're in it, and so am i john warned us of this if you turn to your right real quick first john chapter two turn to your right real quick first john chapter two you can jot this passage down it'll be on the screen if you don't want to do a quick bible drill first john chapter two if you do want to do a bible drill it's on page 1153 that should help <laughs> you get there quick john warned us about this and here's what john said john said do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him, because everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's lifestyle is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does God's will remains forever. Now I want you to see back to the wilderness, Satan tempted Jesus in these three ways in the wilderness. Satan tempted Jesus with the lust of the flesh when he tempted Jesus to tell these stones to become bread. Satan tempted Jesus with the lust of the eyes when he took him up to the top of the temple and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And we know and understand that Satan tempted Jesus, the pride of one's lifestyle, when he tempted Jesus and said, hey, go ahead and throw yourself down from here. You're the man. God will take care of you. Jesus, we know, resisted each temptation. The truth of the matter is, Jesus resisted those temptations by simply saying, it is written. And then he quoted scripture. We, too, are tempted on a day-by-day basis in these same three ways. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride in one's lifestyle. And we, too, need to follow the example of Jesus. And as we face temptations day by day, we, too, need to say, it is written. God has not given me a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, of love, and of sound judgment. It is written, my God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It is written, God is the one who's at work in me to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is written, I can be confident in this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is written, I don't need to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, I get to present my request to God. And my God will replace that stress with his peace, which passes all understanding. It will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It is written, I keep the Lord in mind always because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. It is written. My Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. It is written. God will keep in perfect peace the mind that is steadfast as trusting in you. It is written. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be terrified. I don't have to be discouraged. I can be strong and courageous because the Lord my God is with me everywhere I go. It is written. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. It is written. No one or nothing can separate me from the love that I have from my father in Christ Jesus it is written if I trust in the Lord with all my heart and I lean on my understanding if I think about God in all my ways God will make my path straight hey it is written no one or nothing can snatch me out of my father's hand it is written we stand on this word just as Jesus did And we will see the same things happen that happen with Jesus Christ. Which leads us to the next point. And that simply is, it is written, helps us walk in our victory in Jesus. It is written, helps us walk in our victory in Jesus. Jesus resisted each temptation of Satan by quoting God's word. Notice in this passage, Satan left Jesus alone. Because he had no defense against and no answer for the truth of God's word. And let me just share with you the good news for us this morning. Satan still doesn't have a defense against or an answer for the truth of God's word. The scriptures that work for our Savior Jesus work for us today. They work. And so living in it is written life expresses humility. When we turn to God's word, we demonstrate humility that says, I know I can't, but I know God can. When we turn to God's word, we demonstrate humility that says, I know I don't have the answers, but I know God does. When we turn to God's word, we demonstrate humility that allows us to ask God, would you help me resist the temptation that is coming my way today? As we turn to God's word, we're able to demonstrate humility and ask God to help us live his way today all through the day. Listen, living in it is written life expresses love. Jesus loved the Father. We see that in the scriptures. And Jesus walked in perfect obedience to God the Father in his earthly ministry. Jesus also told us, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. We show God we love God as we obey God. One of the ways we show God our love for God is as we obey God. And in order for us to obey God, we need to know what God says. In order for us to know what God says, we got to get in God's Word. As we live it is written lives, we get into God's Word and we're able to walk in obedience to God. Living in it is written life expresses that humility, that love. It also expresses wisdom. God's wisdom is found in His Word. And unbelievably for you and for me when we know what it's written in this word we know that James one time told us that if anyone lacks wisdom he should ask God and he will give us his wisdom liberally generously without finding fault in us for asking how many times have you asked someone for help and they found fault in you for asking them because you weren't able to find that help or figure that help out yourself Yeah, I think we'd all probably say yes, and we may have been that person too. But Jesus, he has told us in his word. James has reminded us in the word that, hey, we'll just ask God for wisdom. He'll give it, and he will not find fault with us. He'll not criticize us or ridicule us for not asking him sooner. He'll give it to us. You see, living an Israelite life grounds us in the truth of God's Word, which helps us then walk with the wisdom from God's Word, which helps us to walk in our victory in Christ Jesus. This is a timely teaching for us today because whether you like it or not or believe it or not, Christmas is here. There are 23 days left until Christmas. Now, if I just stressed you out with that statement, let me encourage you. It is written do not worry about tomorrow, for today has enough trouble of its own. It is written cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. The truth is, we need to be reminded. Of the importance of living an it is written life because the sad but honest reality is Satan does some of his best work around Christmas. The reason for the season is the birth of the Savior Jesus. However, Satan does a really good job of keeping that truth hidden. Christmas is a time when distractions are rampant. From all the baking and eating and cooking and eating and shopping and eating and wrapping and eating. And waiting in long lines, in stores, in traffic, traveling. You see, these distractions can take our focus away from Jesus. Christmas is a time when emotions are raw. Whether it's the difficult feelings of loneliness... that seem to just increase during Christmas because of all the opportunities to get together with family and friends. Maybe it's grief because of the loss of a loved one or a close friend that won't be celebrating Christmas with us. Maybe it's that first Christmas Without that individual, and there's great grief, sorrow. Or maybe it's discouragement because of the unwanted circumstances that have crashed into our lives. Maybe it's fear that's resulted from those unwanted circumstances. Maybe it's anger at those unwanted circumstances because those circumstances don't seem to be changing. And what we thought was going to be corrected in a day, what we thought was going to be corrected in three days, what we thought was going to be corrected in a week, it's now a month. It's now six months. It's now years. And these emotions can take our focus away from Jesus. Christmas is a time when stress is real in our lives due to the distractions due to these emotions and the exhaustion and fatigue that we all feel because of everything that's going on and all that has to get done and the compressed amount of time that all has to get done which provides a fertile ground for conflict and hurt and tension to just fill in to our relationships and produce damage within us and those around us. See, Satan does some of his best work in and around Christmas as he tries to divide us from God and one another through conflict or discouragement or hurt or bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment, stress. The reason Satan wants this for us is because he hates us and he wants to destroy us. The truth of the matter is simply this. This is the time when we should celebrate the good news of great joy for all people. This is the time when we should celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the time to remember it is written. This is the time to remember the importance of God's word. This is the time to remember the power of God's word. This is the time to remember the truth of God's word. This is the time to walk in obedience to God's word. This is the time to walk with the wisdom found in God's word. This is the time to stay focused on Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. This is the time to stay faithful to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. This is a time for us to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. This is a time for us to pray with and for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. This is a time to receive the greatest gift ever given by placing our faith and trust in Jesus. This is the time to follow the example of our Savior and be baptized by immersion just like Jesus. This is the time to remember it is written. And we walk in obedience to this word by faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we start right here, right now. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. So what's your-